Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. So I spent the last uh, month or so uh, teaching, talking about the heart practices of Buddhism, the practice of loving kindness and compassion and equanimity and uh, appreciation. And the, so traditionally there's only four, they're, they're called the Brahma Viharas, the four divine, enlightened, wise, intelligent quality emotions that that we can experience and that um, we're, uh, you know, one of the ways that you can look at it is uh, if you get enlightened, if you free yourself from greed and hatred and delusion and all of the clinging and aversion and self-centeredness that causes us suffering, what would remain? Because doesn't it sometimes feel like, well, that's all I am. I'm just attached and I'm angry and I'm self-centered. <laughs> and if, if we actually had the experience of like not being so attached and aversive and uh, self-involved, self-centered all of the time, what would remain? And so the Buddha reported, all that remains is a sense of love and kindness for all living beings, for ourselves, a, a healthy sense of love and self-acceptance and, um, and compassion for our own pain, ability to meet our own pain with friendliness and understanding and acceptance and mercy and compassion. And an ability to meet pleasure, the, the impermanent, understanding impermanence, and, and this is what we did last week, and appreciating the transient nature of pleasant phenomena, experience of like, oh, yeah, but it's, when, it's, when it's pleasant, enjoy it. Learning to not fuck it up by getting too attached to the impermanent pleasures. And a sense of equanimity that understands no matter how much love, no matter how much compassion uh, we have for each other, we can't fix each other. We can't control. We can't uh, make anyone else have wisdom. We can only have wisdom in our own hearts and minds. And it's sort of the, maybe the, the Buddhist Al-Anon, the kind of non-attached love and compassion that's not controlling and clinging and uh, suffering about other people's suffering. So it's really just these four. So I've kind of completed the series, but in my own practice and in not so much in the traditional Theravadan Buddhist, um, but in sort of the Western Buddhist, you know, lineage that I've uh, been part of for the last few decades, there's an, also an emphasis on forgiveness. And forgiveness is not, it's not really all that directly taught by the Buddha. In the um, Metta Sutta, the loving kindness um, Sutta, there's a, a few lines on forgiveness. He says, um, in order to free ourselves from, you know, to, to really have loving kindness, we have to free ourselves from ill will. What are the lines? Freed from... Let none uh, despise any being in any state. So this is a instruction. And just you know, for a moment, reflecting on how many people you actually despise. 
not that that's maybe the way you think about it, but that you judge, that you resent, that you're, you know, wouldn't mind if they didn't exist. And then the, the second way he talks about despising, and then he says, or wish, wishing harm upon any living being. And again, that humility of thinking about, actually there's a whole bunch of people that I wouldn't mind if they got harmed. You know, like, I, you know, don't mind if you get hit by a bus anytime soon. Um, and, you know, and sometimes when we've been hurt and we have that resentment and we feel like, well, you hurt me. And there's that uh, feeling of like, well, I wanna hurt you back or I want you to be hurt. Maybe I don't actually wanna do it, but I hope somebody else does it. That sort of uh, unholy glee and karma, what, what I call it schadenfreude, that kind of like is pretty, it's not unpleasing when other people get hurt. It's kind of nice, I kind of like it. It's fucking funny. I know you're too spiritual to admit that right now. Um, but part of the practice to, in order to come to a place of really having a loving heart, a compassionate heart, is freeing ourselves from that natural tendency um, to despise, uh, to experience anger and ill will and wish harm upon e each other. Um, and then the, the third line is free from hatred and ill will. So, so the task, the forgiveness, the way I hear it, the forgiveness task is for us to have the humility and honesty to look at our minds and say, I've got a lot of resentments. And I've got little ones from, you know, people that just aren't acting right on, in traffic. <laughs> Fuck those people. Uh, and I've got big ones from the people who uh, have really hurt me. And then those ones of like, oh, not directly hurt me, but they're just ignorant forces in this world that I resent. Uh, you know, the big, just you know, that kind of re resentment against oppression, resentment against the reality of racism, of sexism, of homophobia, of, you know, gender inequality, all of the bullshit that's happening on this planet, the destruction of the planet the rampant greed. I mean, I can, you know, I could give my whole talk on what the fuck is wrong with this place. And I know you all on some level or another, are like, yeah, there's a lot of problems, a lot of, and naturally that the mind then resents it, you know, gets, has some anger, some judgment, some uh, ill will and wishes harm upon those who are harming. Who are you know it's clearly you know and it's always others right it's the the racists the sexists the um you know of course part of our mindfulness is being like oh i see some sexism in my conditioning I see some racism in my conditioning i see some <laughs> ignorance in my attitudes and outlooks i don't you know wouldn't want to admit that but you know the more mindful you are the more you see like oh i've been conditioned by this society which is a society based not in wisdom and love and equality, but a society based in oppression and ignorance and genocide, right? Welcome to North America. <laughs> um, I don't know. I hope I won't offend too many people, but um, I don't mind offending people. I have a general sense that anytime uh, people say, oh, I don't have any resentments, uh, you know, I love everyone. I'm just like, oh, you're just not 
you're not paying attention to your mind at all. Like how much denial must there be uh, to live in this world without having, you know, the mind judge and compare and criticize and, and experience some anger. Unless you're an enlightened being, you're going to experience some anger at what's happening in your life and what's happening in this world. No matter how privileged and easy you got it, there's going to, you know, it's just natural. Resentment is a natural part of the mind, not a um, sin, not a lack of morality. Uh, I guess it's a lack of wisdom. I think, you know, we could all sort of admit uh, when I'm really coming from a place of love and wisdom, I'm not stuck in ill will and despising and um, but the untrained mind, all of those natural habits of mind are uh, tend towards judgment and resentment. So to come to the heart that is loving and compassionate and joyous and free, lots of forgiveness necessary. Um, lots of forgiveness, long-term training of the mind to be forgiving. And I don't know what your experience is. And I think one of the things that's hard about teaching to, um, you know, however many people are gathered tonight, 30 something in the room, 50 something online, you know, like so 80 of us, 90 of us, and so many different conditionings, so many different, like we all share the human condition. We all share like, oh, this is what it's like to have a nervous system. But then your gender, your race, your socioeconomic background, the uh, house you grew up in, the neighborhood you grew up in, all of those different conditionings that lead to different um, levels of emotional sensitivity and emotional intelligence. And, you know, we, we, have, we share a human condition, but then we have separate uh, distinct conditionings within this shared human condition. Maybe some of you are pretty good at forgiving, and maybe some of you were raised in households where resentment was normalized and the skill of compassion and forgiveness was taught to you. Is that true for anybody? Maybe there's some people who, yeah, I had some like cool spiritual parents that like sat me down and said, it's okay to hate, but your mind does it all by itself. And but also there's this wise internal way where you can learn to have compassion. And um, well, probably most of us grew up in, uh, you know, not that house. <laughs> and forgiveness is something that we need to learn. And that, um, okay, enough. For, I'm going to talk about forgiveness tonight. Once I start going, sometimes I don't stop. Before we meditate, and I'll do a guided forgiveness meditation, I'll say a couple more things about it for anybody who hasn't done it. I want you to talk to each other. Just, you know, what's this topic bring up for you? What's it, uh, you know, when you start thinking about forgiveness and the way that I'm presenting it, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm presenting it as a, a necessity. Here, I'll make this controversial uh, statement. Uh, if you want to be happy, uh, forgiveness is necessary, and not just like at some point in the past, but on a daily basis ongoing forgiveness practice of all of the unpleasant shit that's going to happen every day that we're going to naturally be annoyed by and resent. 
Um, I was listening to a relationship expert recently, and I loved him. He said, you know, uh, the reality is everyone is annoying. <laughs> Impossible to be in a relationship where you won't be annoyed by your partner and you won't annoy your partner. And I was like, yeah, this is brilliant to just set it up to acknowledge that we're all going to annoy each other, not just in our intimate relationships, but in our day-to-day -day lives. Like we're going to walk, we're walking around annoying each other. The Buddha said, you know, untrained worldlings, unenlightened beings wandering around this world with their views and opinions, annoying each other. It's like he, you know, he was on Facebook just annoying each other with our views and our opinions and you know like you have to agree and I, I'm annoyed by anybody that doesn't agree and I think you're ignorant and you think I'm ignorant and so I think that forgiveness is a necessity if we want to be happy I also think that non-attachment is a necessity. I think that compassion is a necessity. I think that learning uh, that we are not our minds is a necessity. But forgiveness is a core skill that we need to bring into our lives on a daily basis. Not like just, I need to forgive the big wounds from the past, but on a daily basis, an attitude of forgiveness to all of the people that are gonna annoy me today. And I'm not easily annoyed, but I'm constantly annoyed when I'm mindful enough to see how I'm responding to the unpleasant experiences of life. There's a gut aversion to all of the unpleasant people, places, things, smells, sights, sounds that we experience as humans. compassion and forgiveness, make it all very bearable, manageable. So talk to each other a little bit about forgiveness, just in a general way. What's your experience with it? Then we'll meditate. Then I'll talk some more about it. Um, so introduce yourself to some people in the room you don't know yet. Um, the question is, what's the difference between anger and resentment? Um, I think that Resentment is experiencing anger based on something that happened in the past. Sometimes there can be anger based on like, I'm mad right now. Something, you know, is pissing me off right now. And resentment is when I'm still pissed off later about what happened. I'm re, yeah, I'm holding on to, I'm replaying it. I'm resenting. I'm, you know, my mind is, uh, you know, you, you know, sometimes when you sit down in meditation, you're like, I'm actually, I'm in a pretty good mood. And you sit down and your mind's like, you should be mad at all those motherfuckers that hurt you in the past. Right. And it's like all of these resentments of like, I'm like, that, that shit's years old or decades old or fucking many decades old, but I'm still mad. Right. And now I'm angry in the present, an experience of anger, ill will, whatever we want to call it, despise. I fucking hate that person because they hurt me 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, you know, like, and it's so it's that replaying, re resenting, holding on to old hurts, not having the ability to meet that with compassion. Be like, oh, yeah, okay. Thanks for reminding me of that unpleasant memory. <laughs> I forgive you. 
rather than, oh yeah, that's when your mind says you should be mad and you're like, yeah, I am mad. Fuck those guys. <laughs> I do hate them. They should get hit by a bus. Stuck in it. So a couple of things before we meditate. Um, three categories. We uh, traditionally in this way, uh, learn to forgive ourselves. Uh, probably pretty easy for us to acknowledge all of the ways that we have caused ourselves harm and that we learn, you know, we begin to resent ourselves. Uh, we begin to resent our minds, the judging mind, the insecurity, the comparing, the jealousy, all of those unpleasant, what we call afflictive emotions that our minds produce. Don't you start to like kind of hate having to think those thoughts? Start to kind of hate your own mind or, or your body, you know, like the aging process subject to sickness, to uh, gravity, to, um, of, you know, our limitations or our shapes or our sizes or all of the ways that may, maybe we resent our bodies or our minds. You know, when we say like we resent ourselves, there's so many, you know, what, what part of you do you hate? Is it your physical body? Is it your emotional experience? Is it your minds? Uh, you know, is it the stuff from the past that you did? Oh, I hate myself because I caused so much harm. Long, you know, sometimes it's a long time ago. It caused a lot of harm a long time ago. And we're still resenting ourselves for that. So self-forgiveness, one category. Then um, offering forgiveness uh, to the people that we, you know, that have harmed us. And maybe there's, uh, when you think of the people that you resent, my mind, I saw when I started doing forgiveness practice, my, main, my mind made three lists. There's the people that I resent. Uh, and when I started to think about forgiveness, there's a whole bunch of people that I have resentments towards, but I'm also interested in forgiving because I like them, because I care about them. They annoy me, but I want to forgive them. I'm willing to, and I want to forgive them. They hurt me in the past and I want to forgive them. And then there was a list of like, not sure, maybe. Not sure that they're deserving, not sure I'm ready. A whole list of people who like, not, you know, I'm not that interested in forgiving them yet. And then I, my mind had a whole list of like, no fucking way. I'm never gonna forgive all of these people. They're unworthy of forgiveness. They should get hit by buses. And uh, you know, their karma is not enough. I'm gonna hate them for the rest of my life. They're worthy of hatred, you know, and then eventually starting to wake up to like, oh, my hatred towards them is hurting me. Do I want to be free from suffering enough to stop suffering at them? Do I want to be free from suffering enough to stop suffering at people who I have no compassion for yet? I have no love for yet. So those three categories. Yes, maybe, no. Maybe, maybe your mind does that. If it does that, cool. Let it be that. Just work on the yeses, the ones that you want to forgive. The biggest warning that is always ignored. <laughs> I just did a retreat a couple weeks ago. We did a whole day on forgiveness practice. And I said, don't try to forgive the people that are the, have hurt you the most. Don't start with the most difficult people in the world or the, in your life. 
And then, you know, people come to me and say, like, I can't help it. My mind just, you start talking about forgiveness and I start thinking about the abusers. I start thinking about the people that I, you know, have been harmed by the most. It's good advice to try to set them aside and develop forgiveness skill, forgiveness practice to just the people that you love in your life, not the hardest ones. Do the ones that are easier. Do the uh, annoying people in your community. Do the people right here in the room that annoy you. Forgive each other first. Get really good at forgiving the Sangha, these well-meaning nincompoops right here. Us. Forgive, you know, with me, with each other, rather than like, I'm going to forgive my abusive ex or parent or you know the 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 you know biggest ones start the analogy of weightlifting uh, if you want to get in shape forgiveness is a muscle you want to get in shape you start you know with the light weights or you know doing heavy long you know reps with light weights uh, you don't go and say i'm going to deadlift a 500 pound you don't start there but you work your way up. You'd be like, okay, I want to get to the heavyweights. I want to get to the big resentments. Let me work my way up to them. Third category, asking for forgiveness, looking at our hearts and our minds and that humility. And often we'll actually start here in the guided meditation. I'll often start with first put ourselves into the humble honesty that we have hurt people. Think of all the people you've hurt through your words, your actions, your attitudes, your opinions, <laughs> your views, your, you know, people you haven't responded to, you've abandoned, you didn't reply to their emails or whatever it was, the small stuff and the big stuff. And then we look at ourselves and we say, oh, I was, I'm not a terrible person. I was just confused. I was just hurt. I was just, you know, in, in my own my head was up my own ass at the time. I, you know, I was not coming from a place of wisdom. I was in addiction or I was in self-centeredness or I was in fear. And my ignorance and confusion spilled out and hurt people around me. So important to start there because hopefully, now this isn't true for everyone, but hopefully you know that you're not a terrible person. Maybe sometimes your mind tells you oh, you're terrible but it's not true, right? Our minds lie to us, but not true. Hopefully, you know, I'm not a terrible person, but I've been confused and I've hurt people at times. I've been unskillful. I've been unwise. I've been unkind. I've been dishonest or violent or whatever it is, but that's not who I am. Those were momentary actions. So the more we can understand that, and then we ask for forgiveness, we bring the people to mind and say, please forgive me for having caused you harm. When I was in my confusion, I was in my ignorance, I was unskillful and it hurt you. I asked for your forgiveness. The humility of that is so helpful than when we start thinking about the people that hurt us. And rather than seeing them as evil or terrible or, you know, we can start to say like, oh, they were unskillful. They were in their pain. They were in their confusion. They were in their ignorance. Now it's quite possible that people, that things have been done to you that you've never done. 
right? It's quite possible that like, yeah, well, I've been kind of a asshole sometimes, but I've never really done the kind of terrible things that were done to me. And so it's not quite equivalent. It's not quite like, ooh, I can't quite understand that type of violence or that type of uh, harm. But on a smaller level, we can. We can say like, when I'm confused, I can cause harm to others. And everyone who's ever caused harm to me is because they're confused. It's because they were ignorant. You know, that's saying that hurt people hurt people, you know, that kind of, yeah, simple understanding. When I'm hurting, I'll probably spill some on you. If I'm not coming from a place of a lot of compassion, when you're hurting, you'll probably spill some on me. If you're not coming from a lot of compassion for your own pain. So we learn to forgive ourselves. We learn to forgive uh, those who have harmed us. And we learn to forgive, to ask for forgiveness for all of the harm we've caused. We try not to start with the most egregious, the biggest resentments. Um, and lastly, something that has helped me a lot with this, and many of you are well aware of, there's something that our mind does. The Buddha calls it um, fixed views, where when somebody hurts us, or, or even when we've hurt someone else, we fix it into that's who you are. You are the liar. You lied to me. You're a fucking liar. That's just, I'm just, you're going to just be that for the, you know, I don't, however much you change in my mind, you're a liar. <laughs> you lied to me. You stole from me. You hurt me. You abused me. You, whatever it was. And we fixed people into their actions, that temporary action where they were dishonest or we were you know, there, there's a whole another conversation around like in recovery, fixing ourselves as like, I'm the addict that's and identifying like I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict uh, and, uh, and taking on like the, this is who I am. Um, so there can be some, you know, truth to that. Like, yep, I used to drink alcoholically, uh, you know, some use in identifying that and saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to practice abstinence so that I don't go back to that. Uh, you know, I don't, moderation is not a thing for a lot of us. <laughs> so we sober, stay sober. But fixing the view of like, this is who I am, not ultimately true. It's not ultimately true to say this one thing that, you know, has, you know, is who any of us are. Now we could go bigger even into our gender or into our race or into our, you know, the relative truth versus the ultimate truth. We're all these impermanent beings that have all of these different experiences. And on the relative level, you're having this incarnation in, in this body, from this gender and this race and this, um, all true, totally true on the relative level. I'm a cisgendered white male in this time around <laughs> from a Buddhist perspective, but it's certainly not you know, from a, you know, kind of in the cycle of karmic and, and process of rebirth, who I always am or always will be, you know, it's just, this is just the temporary incarnation and not having that fixed view um, towards the people that have harmed us or towards ourselves for the harm that we've caused, having a bit more openness to the truth of impermanence and that uh, harm is a, uh, a momentary thing that happens. 
and it's not who we are forever. Ignorance arises and it passes, especially when we come to the Dharma, when we come to recovery, when we come to healing and changing and hopefully, you know, maturing and not staying stuck in I'm who I used to be. How many incarnations have you had so far in this lifetime? How many different people have you been in this lifetime? That um, because everything's regenerating within a cellular regeneration, uh, within a seven year span, almost nothing remains in our bodies that was here seven years ago. And you still think like, oh, I'm the, you know, I can remember 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. And that's, that's who I am. I'm that kid that used to steal my mom's weed <laughs> or, you know, whatever. I, you know, that's, that's who I am. I was like, I've had five incarnations since I was that kid. That's just a memory. I still feel guilty about stealing my mom's wedding ring and trading it for crack in 1986. But that's 37 years ago. That's not who I am anymore. You know, that was an incarnation that, you know, has come and gone so long. All that remains is a, a mental impression. But we can have that fixed view and live in shame and live in guilt if we don't live to forgive ourselves. It, and likewise for each other, if we don't learn to forgive each other. Okay, so I'm on, a, on it. Let's meditate. Let's actually meditate on forgiveness. So exciting to forgive. Find a way to sit that's upright, relaxed, stable, comfortable, at least to begin with. Relaxing into the awareness of the breath and body. With the intention to free ourselves from suffering. As we attempt to let go of the fixed views that the mind tends to form about ourselves and each other. beginning the forgiveness meditation by asking for forgiveness, reflecting on some of the harms we've caused, where we've been unkind, dishonest, where we've abandoned, betrayed, where we've caused harm to someone, intentionally or unintentionally really bringing that humility rather than the defensive it wasn't my intention just even if it wasn't our intention even when we accidentally caused harm
seeing what your heart and mind produce and begin the simple phrases, please forgive me for having caused you harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional, through my words or my actions, from anger, greed, or fear. I ask your forgiveness. The only really important statement here, I think, is please forgive me for having caused you harm. As you picture, you remember, you bring to mind the people who you have annoyed, offended. caused harm to in some way or another. repeating this a few times over and over to this person that you remember causing harm to. Maybe they've even forgiven you, but there's still some regret. Maybe you've even forgiven yourself, but it's just a interesting and healthy exercise to recollect the harm we've caused. Acknowledge that we have the karma, but we're training our hearts, our mind and humility, training the mind to be quick to ask for forgiveness, to take responsibility, even when it was unintentional. Please forgive me for having caused you harm.
Maybe you're pretty current with amends and asking for forgiveness. Maybe you're not, and as you turn towards this, there's a long list, a whole stadium of people. It can be a bit overwhelming. Just start with uh, little ones, the people in your life, people around you. But make a note, oh, this is an important process. I can clear this list. I can practice this asking of forgiveness. That often does lead to a communication, a making of amends when appropriate. For now, letting go of this first category of asking for forgiveness and turning towards the resentments that we're holding, the ill will, the despising, the resenting that the mind holds on to from the past, those places where we felt harmed, betrayed, injured, hurt. or even annoyed that we're holding on to it in some way. The mind is reminding us the stuff that comes back. And we bring to mind the old pains rather than meeting them with understanding and compassion for the pain in the past where feel angry about it. Resentful. Usually points to the necessity of some more forgiveness. Continuing to train the mind, the heart to let go. Starting with the easier ones in your life, bringing them to mind. And saying to them, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment for the ways that I felt harmed, was harmed, whether it was your intention or or unintentional to your words or your actions, anger or fear or greed. I don't want to hold on to this anymore, and I'm working on forgiving you. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Remembering that we are forgiving them to free ourselves.
training the mind to meet the painful past with compassion and forgiveness rather than anger and fear. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment as the intentional thought, the intentional response. Saying it a few times, hanging out. Maybe you even feel some of the sadness, some of the pain of that harm, trying to meet it with compassion. Forgiveness doesn't get rid of the pain of our past, still painful. Just trying to learn how to meet it with a more wise response and with compassion, with forgiveness, with letting it be. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. And also as we hang out in this space, this intention of offering forgiveness, see who shows up, who's on that list. If you've been doing this practice for some time, probably seeing how that list is shrinking. Not as many resentments as there used to be. The lists of maybe and never collapsing into I'm willing to forgive, I want to forgive everyone.
Shifting, making a note. The ongoing work that's to be done here, the resentments that the mind is holding on to. And lastly, turning towards ourselves, self-forgiveness. Forgiving this mind for holding on to the past and the way that it does. For creating these fixed views about ourselves and others. This mind that loves to compare. To feel jealous. To be critical. This mind that doesn't understand our worth, our ability all of the time. This human condition, the ego that sometimes feels inflated, better than, superior, sometimes feels deflated, less than, inferior, the vanity, the insecurity. Sending forgiveness to ourselves, to our minds, our hearts, the heart that can become so defended, closed, skeptical. Sending forgiveness to our bodies. for continuing to crave pleasure and not very, be very good at tolerating discomfort. Saying to this mind-body, heart process that we call ourselves, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment to yourself, from yourself. To make it personal, it can be useful to use your own first name when doing self-forgiveness.
over and over to ourselves, I forgive you as much as I can. It can be useful and interesting to think of ourselves in the past as kids, as babies, as children, as teenagers, all of the developmental phases we've been through, the pain we've experienced, perhaps caused, the ways that we've internalized, become insecure or overconfident, entitled or afraid. We forgive ourselves, but we also come to understand none of it was all that personal, not really our fault. That balance of taking full responsibility and forgiving ourselves, but also understanding the impersonal nature of how we've reacted to the pain in our life. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. This mind, this body, this heart, this life. For all of the ways that we make it more difficult than it needs to be all of the ways that we hold on to that which we can let go of. Letting go of the self-forgiveness in just the last couple of minutes. Forgiveness towards each other here in the Sangha. Think about the people you talked to as we're beginning class in the breakout rooms or here in the room. Just as I'm learning to forgive myself, I hope you have success in your own process of forgiving yourself. Sending forgiveness to each other as much as we can in this moment. Asking for forgiveness from each other for any ways that we annoy, offend. Please forgive me and I forgive you as much as I can in this moment.
trying to create this attitude of ease, of humbly asking and easily offering forgiveness to each other. Taking this into our relationships, into our families, into our cultures, work environments. Please forgive me and I forgive you and I forgive myself. Please forgive me, I forgive you, and I forgive myself as an ongoing reflection, mantra in our lives. I remember um, my early experience with forgiveness meditation was that it was more um, sort of unsettling. I had I've said this about a lot of the practices. <laughs> I found mindfulness when I started meditating. Um, I found mindfulness gave was uh, helpful. Like I got I got a little bit of relief from the initial mindfulness instructions of ignore your mind, pay attention to your breath. That was helpful to me because my mind was so filled with the causes of suffering. Learning to ignore my mind felt like relief. But then when I started opening to the heart practices and doing the loving kindness and the compassion and the forgiveness, it just stirred all of my internal attachments and judgments and fears and wounds up and um, didn't feel real soothing. And I also couldn't I don't know if any of you are having this experience, but I couldn't say the phrases with sincerity when I started them. You know, when I would say, uh, please forgive me, or uh, I forgive you, or I forgive myself, like my internal voice was not yet um, sincere about it. I was like uh, resistant and I fe it felt stupid and it felt like, uh, I think ultimately it felt too vulnerable to really like let in. And so there was all of this resistance to my own internal, like being kind to myself felt unsafe. Asking for forgiveness felt unsafe, felt too vulnerable, too exposed, um, too soft, something. And it took some, uh, but I don't, I'm not even sure why other than I guess desperation, <laughs> a little bit of hope that it would help and, and desperate, uh, desperation of like, well, I don't want to live like this anymore, so I'll keep doing these practices. Uh, and eventually, uh, over some months and years of coming to some sincerity and some feeling of like, oh, I'm starting to mean it. I'm, and I'm starting to feel a little bit of forgiveness. I'm starting to feel a little bit of kindness and compassion. But for me, it was very gradual. 
It wasn't like I did a couple meditations and it resonated and it was like, oh, this sucks. I hate this. Fuck forgiveness. That stirs all my resentments up. I walk away feeling more agitated and not, you know, because I kind of got this sense from the meditation teachers. They're like, this is going to help. I'm like, this is not helping <laughs> this. Uh, but it's like, uh, it's going to help eventually. In the long term, it's going to help. And so for me, it was some months and years before I started to settle into like, oh, this is really helping. It took two years of saying it and not really meaning it before I started to have some feelings of like, oh, some of these resentments are lifting, starting to be a bit kinder to myself. Um, for me, it was multiple year process. And I can remember coming to the place about 10 years in, but by five years into forgiveness practice, I was a convert and I was like forgiveness mantra. And I was like, I'm a fucking forgiveness ninja and I'll forgive you. And, you know, like really into it, but still a lot of, I can remember and it was about 10 years into the practice where, um, and I was on retreat. And I was doing a lot of retreats, couple of year, 10 day retreats. I was doing some one month retreats. And um, at one point I was doing a, a longer retreat. And I can remember, I think I was doing a 14 day retreat. And, and I can remember for the first time in my life, I could bring up the people that used to be on the I'll never forgive you list. The people, you know. And I could bring them up and I could sit with them and be like, oh, yeah, I have some, I can feel the pain of that relationship, but I can now meet it with compassion rather than anger and resentment. And I can remember the harm. It's not gone away. Forgiveness doesn't get rid of the painful memories. I can remember how painful that was, but I don't hate them anymore. I have compassion, I have forgiveness, I have a sense of acceptance of like, yeah, that was a really painful situation. Now it's met with uh, some friendliness and some compassion rather than hatred. And it was so surprising that, um, and I, so I tested it and I can remember testing it and be like, well, what about, you know, whoever? And, you know, even Hitler, how about Hitler? Can I, do I have, you know, do I still hate Hitler? Not like, you know, I mean, Hitler's just like a archetypal monster um, in the world. Uh, not, you know, my father said for him, it was Hitler because he grew up as a Jew in the, you know, 40s and 50s. And it was really, you know, that was, it was for me, it's like Hitler's like, you know, just a, a historical monster. And there's a long list of them, long list of historical monsters, uh, really, really confused, including, you know, not only you know, on our continent as well. Um, and anyway, just coming to that place where after 10 years of loving kindness and compassion and forgiveness practice, where I could actually sit with all of it. And I was so surprised. I was like, wow, this shit worked. I can meet all of the confusion in the world with compassion and forgiveness and um, a, a decade in. And I thought a little bit like, and I'm done. Like, like, like there was like a box I could check, like, yep, forgave everybody for everything. Done. And the ignorance of that moment was ignoring and forgetting about impermanence. That was just a moment. <laughs> that was just like probably four hours of that day on retreat. And then by the evening, I was like, you know what? But fuck those other people. And the resentment started coming back. And 
seeing that forgiveness is a, everything's impermanent, including some of these wise moments that we have. For me, it was amazing because I'd never had that moment before in my life. So it was a real aha awakening. Uh, I'm experiencing something right now that I've, I've never been able to have a moment free of resentment when I brought up the people on this list. I've never experienced compassion in my life. I've always experienced hatred. I've, you know, I'm a sort of, that's my tendency, resentment. So it was huge. And then I saw like, oh, I'm not done. That was just a moment. That was just a, an experience. And now it's the ongoing process of continuing to practice this letting go, letting go. And over the years, I've seen some resentments that have seemed to dissipate. And, you know, like I can really like, they seem to be pretty gone. I can remember the pain. I can, but they're just not re repetitive. They're not, they don't, my mind doesn't remind me about them anymore. And even if I do remember them, it's pretty, there's an ease of compassion of forgiveness with it. And then there's other ones where it takes ongoing work, where my mind will really try to hook me into it and will really be uh, insistent of like, but you should really be mad. You're, there's a lot of justified reasons to be mad. And this whole inner forgiveness process with those, some of them. So I don't know what your experience will be, but mine has been some go away seemingly, dissolve successful forgiveness, we'll see, could, could come back up. And some are stronger and continue to be, um, you know, an ongoing practice. I've been, you know, now practicing this for over 30 years, 35 years, and um, forgiveness is an ongoing daily part of my life, part of my practice. I, I realized, you know, 25 years ago at that 10-year mark that, like, this is not something that you finish with. It's maintenance. It's an It's, it's kind of like saying, like, I learned how to be mindful, and now I don't have to practice mindfulness anymore. I learned how to forgive, and now I have to continue to practice forgiveness every day. There's this short kind of poem writing that I heard in a Dharma talk a long time ago that I, about forgiveness that I like. It's in my uh, book, um, Against the Stream. And he says, uh, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. And I can remember hearing that and being like, because that's, you know, honestly, like I, I want to be a lover. I want to I learn how to love uh, myself. I want to learn how to love others. And, uh, and the reality is, you know, I'm not that good at it. I'm good at being resentful. I'm not that good at being loving. Forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. The hard truth is, he says, is that all of us love poorly. We need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour, unceasingly. That is the great work of, the, of love among the fellowship of the weak that is the human family. And um, you know how much that resonates with you, but I remember hearing that and continue even as I say it tonight, the fellowship of the weak that is the human family. A little bit critical or something like that, weak, fellowship of the weak. But it does feel like that, like because we're born into these minds that just resent. It's not your fault. 
just the way it is. In order to really be loving, we have to train the mind ongoing practice, daily practice of love and compassion and forgiveness. It's not a decision we can make. It's a practice we have to put into action over and over and over, as he says, unceasingly, ongoing. All right, we've got 10 minutes if there's some discussion about forgiveness, comments, questions before we end. Hey, Tom. You know, We're all forgiven. Yeah. This process does come up daily. Um, I have a challenge with, uh, you know, I've been doing that practice and I found that I do love myself more than I ask. It's really good to keep myself up for all kinds of shit. Um, and something happened recently where uh, somebody pushed the button. I lost my shit on them. Uh, and as we were doing this, I realized I have a justification that feels like, I mean, there was a the part of me that loves myself was sort of like saying, um, it was like self-care. It was like I was setting a boundary in a way by losing my shit on this person. So I don't know if that's a mindful thing that I justify it. And that's my question. Like where, um, how does ego play into this? Yeah. Uh, I did you have any like the, issues with ego and forgiveness. A couple, couple, could you hear the question at home or no? Yeah, a little bit, okay. Some people are saying yes, some people are saying no. Um, well, the, the end part of the question was, um, how about the ego, ego and forgiveness? But uh, he started by talking about, uh, you know, the, the a recent experience of somebody uh, doing something that then he, he said he lost his shit on them, um, but that it felt justified and like almost like a, a healthy boundary or something like that. Um, so there is a place, I think there's a place for like fierce compassion. Now, usually if we, you know, if you frame it as I lost my shit, I'm not sure if we can really frame it as like wise boundaries, but so there, but there is a place for fierce, vehement, you know, boundaries. Uh, probably, you know, and you can do that with a strong no or a strong kind of, you know, response to it. If you feel like you lost your shit, you probably cross the line into causing harm and, you know, just, you know, out of like, well, you hurt me. So now go fuck yourself. And, you know, um, and that's not. It was righteous indignation. Sure. You know, the, the thing about karma 
is, uh, you know, our, it's all based on our intentions. And, uh, and there's no sort of justification. There's no righteous indignation free pass for karma. There's no like, well, you know, it felt justified, you know, so I don't get the karma for saying what I said because of what they said. They get the karma from what they said. And then we get the karma from how we respond. And there is a wise way to say like, you know, this is not okay and I'm not going to participate in this. And and also not going to cause myself negative karma from, you know, interacting, you know, much further in this, you know, so that's the kind of ideal Buddhist line. And then there's the humility of like, and I crossed that line and I lost my shit. And, um, and then in the forgiveness, you forgive yourself and you ask for forgiveness and then you maybe make amends at some point if it's appropriate. And um, it's really wonderful to make amends in situations where people fucking deserved it. Be, when we've caused harm, you know, when there's, you know, there's always two sides and all that, but when we've caused harm intentionally or unintentionally, even if they started it, even if they, whatever it was, even if they did a hundred times worse to us than we did to them, still when it's appropriate, depending on the, is it, and it's safe and all of that to go and make amends and say, you know, I'm clear about my part in this. And, you know, your part is your part, but I'm clear about my part. And I want to make amends for my, the way that I reacted. Justified or not justified, I behaved in a way that I don't feel good about. And I, you know, want to make amends for. So it's really hard to do that when, especially when it feels justified and righteous and all of that. But, and we have the karma for it anyway, but to make those direct amends in those, it's really powerful. It's really hard, but it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So the ego and forgiveness, um, you know, probably most of the time it's the ego that's bruised. It's the ego that's encouraging us to resent, to remember, to feel justified in being angry. Um, you know, the ego is, is tricky to talk about, but in some ways, because uh, there's healthy parts of the ego, healthy sense of self and boundaries and all of that. But, you know, in Buddhism, we talk about Mara a lot. And Mara is that part of the mind that says you should suffer. <laughs> you should be angry. You should be afraid. You should be attached. You should be, you know, that's encouraging. Uh, and all of that is probably pretty tied up in our ego self. And so it's not a very trustworthy source of information a lot of the time. You know, it's, it's saying, hey, yeah, you can, you can do this. You can, you can get away with causing this harm. So it's, it's often, you know, a healthy sense of skepticism towards that ego self that's bruised and wanting to lash out. And, for, and then in the self-forgiveness, forgiving the ego, forgiving that part of the mind that so sensitive takes everything so personal, needs to have such, you know, like on the relative level, yes, of course, boundaries, but also if we can just learn to not take, you know, be so self-centered and so defended and uh, not so easily offended.
that seems like forgive the ego for that. Any questions at home, you can raise your hand in the um, reactions tab. Okay, well, we're about out of time anyways. No more questions. Um, this is the last night of this class meeting at 730. I saw some people showed up early and um, this class has met at 730 on Monday nights on the west side of Los Angeles, I think for 18 years. Um, 17 and a half years, something like that. And we're, and we're going to, it's the last time we're going to meet at 7.30. Starting next week, we're going to meet at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Uh, from here on out, 7, 7 to 8.30 uh, is the class time from now on. Tara, who's been my front desk uh, greeter volunteer for, I think, three years or more, four, I don't know, for, for years now, um, said to me tonight that it doesn't the schedule it's fucking up her schedule and um, i didn't i wasn't aware of that um and so it might actually mess up some people's schedules that aren't able i apologize in advance um like i told you last week one of the reasons we're shifting to two reasons we're shifting to seven one is that we printed ten thousand of these little promo cards that said 7 p.m. instead of 7 30. Uh, I spent all day yesterday at the Abbott Kenny Street Fair passing out these cards to people and you know probably three or four of them might show up at some point. I gave out hundreds of cards and probably you know three people from the Abbott Kenny Festival will show up here at 7 p.m. so we're shifting the card or shifting the class. I, I also feel for my own uh, as I age and, you know, get up early and earlier in the morning to get the kids to school and stuff. I'm happy to be done by 830 instead of nine, nine o'clock's fucking late. Um, so happy to be done a little bit earlier, starting at seven, ending at 830 next week and going forward. Uh, unless it, you know, who knows, everything's impermanent could change at some point, but that's the plan. Start at seven. So, uh, you know, if you forget and you come at 7.30, come in, you know, uh, we'll let you into Zoom late for these first few weeks, take, you know, come into the room if you're a little bit late, it's okay, you know, you just miss some of the stuff in the beginning, but you'll still get an hour of class, but try to remember 7 p.m. Have we put that up on the um, site yet? Sebastian's getting it posted on the website. For everybody on Zoom, I'm not sure if, uh, doesn't sound like a lot of people are having an issue with it, but some people are. There's a thing where after you've been attending the Zooms for a while, you have to re-register. So if you ever get like an error message, you have to go back to the website and re-register for the Zoom. Uh, Cause it's like, it only lets you register for like six months of Zooms or something. So I think a couple of times a year you have to re-register for it. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and then at some point it's gonna just show that it's not happening anymore so just, just let us know and you'll reset it okay yeah so if you ever get a like if this zoom has been canceled just let us know and this needs to be reset it should be only like that should happen twice a year where we should stay on top of it but let us know because i guess it's different for different people depending on when you started attending the zoom um That's it. The next kind of against the stream event is probably the new year. I mean, we'll have Mondays, 
through October and November, and then we'll do New Year's Eve. We'll do our annual New Year's Eve thing, and we'll get something posted for that pretty soon. I ran into some people yesterday, some, some people from in the room and are coming to um, Thailand with me in November. We're doing a 10-day kind of pilgrimage thing. But I ran into some people at the Abbot Kinney Festival that have a retreat center that I was planning to go to in Thailand next year. And they said they want um, us to come in March. And I was like, oh shit, that's only six months away from the November, you know? Um, but this, this jungle yoga retreat center where you like, you take boats out and the retreat center is on this lake in a national forest. And then they pulled out their phones and they were showing like the baby elephants that are like next to the retreat center that you're like on the kayak, like going by in the canoes. Anyways, they want us to do a retreat in March. And I think it's probably too soon since we're going in November. Um, but if you're interested in that, uh, if you feel like you would go to Thailand in March, probably for a 10-day retreat in the, in the South on this floating retreat center. Um, and I think that actually if we did it, I don't know if I would do it as Against the Stream or Refuge Recovery, but I don't think I would do it as a totally silent retreat because you want to swim in the lake, you want to be out on the kayaks, you want to like, you know, have some time to like go and try to pet the baby elephants and not get murdered by their parents or whatever happens. Um, so I would do it as like a partial, uh, you know, kind of partially silent. So there'd be some social, some hanging, some swimming, some, you know, elephant petting. I don't know what happens out there in the jungle. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I haven't decided whether we're going to try to do it in March of 24 or wait until 25. I don't know. If you, if you feel like you want to go, let me know, March. Um, lastly, classes done by donation. Be as generous as you can. Against the Stream has lots of um, financial obligations to pay the rent on our center, to pay our employees, to, um, you know, kind of continue working and, and providing this. Classes done by donation, be as generous as you feel like being. $25 is suggested. Give more, give less. You're always welcome here. And uh, see you next week. Many goodness that comes from our practice be shared with each other. May we learn to forgive ourselves. May we learn to forgive each other. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. See you next week, 7 p.m. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.